0: Hi everyone, I'm Caroline Mawassasi, and I am your host for the FACT Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's show, I just want to take a moment to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for their kind sponsorship and for their support throughout the years. Today, we're exploring how to be prepared for natural disasters when you need to leave immediately, hunker down, or even take a short trip to a hospital for a short emergency. We're talking with FAC's Vice President of Education, Kristen Osborne, to discover must-have items to pack versus nice-to-have items to pack and how to get a game plan set up. Welcome, Kristen. I'm absolutely delighted to host you once again on Facts Roundtable podcast. You know, I say it every single time. I absolutely love our podcasts together because I always, always, always walk away with new information and totally excited and inspired.
1: Thank you, Caroline. It's always a pleasure to be on and share all of the facts and information that I have regarding food allergies.
0: Well, this is going to be a great show, so off we go. Before we get started, can you quickly refresh us about your background managing food allergy and other health conditions in the Osborne household so that our listeners will have a context today of why you choose the certain items that you are going to talk about in emergency preparedness?
1: Yes, we are a family of five and we manage food allergies. Of those food allergies, we navigate peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, fish, wheat, and non-baked egg. So out of the top nine allergens, the only two that are safe for us are soy and sesame. In addition to those food allergies, we also navigate ADHD, asthma, and one of our family members is on the spectrum. So we cover a lot of disabilities and allergens. And what we put in our emergency kit is vital based on our needs and our disabilities.
0: Now, as we head off into summer, wildfire, floods and storms become a real threat. I actually live in a wildfire area and need to be prepared. But when those threats really come close to us, we usually have to either leave our homes. And even at that, we might just have a few minutes of warning. That definitely happens to us here in the summer. Like as soon as summer hits, we need to be ready to go at the drop of a hat because as you know, wildfire and wind, poof, there can be a fire two miles away and an ember landing in your yard. But when you add in food allergies and other health conditions and having to leave your house quickly, then it becomes very challenging thinking about how you're going to find safe food or medications, because when you take off, you don't even fully know where you're going to land. So based on this, Kristen, can you outline for our listeners the steps that they should take to prepare for an emergency?
1: You're right. It's extremely important to know your environment, the area you live in, what natural disasters are prone to that specific area. We live in the coast of Virginia, and we are no strangers to hurricanes. Many times they come up from Florida. There have been a couple occasions where we were in the direct path of hurricanes. And over the many decades that I've lived here in this area, we've evacuated multiple times, and it can be scary. And if a natural disaster strikes, it's essential that people prepare in advance, especially those who with food allergies. By taking the necessary steps to prepare for an emergency now, your family will have the food and supplies needed. You wanna take in consideration what your family likes to eat and what allergens you need to avoid. I mentioned that we avoid seven of the top nine. So of course, in our emergency kits that have food, we don't have anything with wheat or peanuts, or tree nuts, or any of the other allergens we mentioned. We also make sure that the foods that we store for our family are things that we eat regularly. I don't want to put anything in my emergency kit. That's a surprise to the kids because I don't want them trying any new food or trying something that they're not a fan of. It would be horrible to have an emergency kit with a new special food that I thought was fantastic, and then the kids try it, and they don't like it at all. So you want to take in consideration what your family likes to eat, what allergens you avoid, you know, store the food that you and your family eat regularly to help ease any kind of anxiety. And it's important to have foods that are nutritious and high in calories and that are shelf stable. So you don't need to worry about refrigerating anything when you're trying to evacuate or heating anything or any food that would need any kind of specific uh, preparation are very good options to store in your, uh, your kit.
0: So in preparing to prepare for an emergency, not only we're looking at food, but what about medications
1: and things like that or Kleenex or toilet paper? Exactly. Those are exactly the things that you want to add to your kit. Obviously, you know, medication, if you're an asthmatic, you want to make sure that you have an extra couple of inhalers that you have just specific to that kit. So let's say, for instance, you have a prescription for your inhaler. You may have one that you put specifically in your emergency kit so you're not looking for it at the time that you need to evacuate. And when I refer to emergency kit, initially, I'm talking about something that is a emergency kit that will go with you if you have to evacuate your home. Many times the American Red Cross will will say that if you have an evacuation kit, you need to have three days worth of food with you. Now, if you're staying in your home, you want to make sure that you have a week's worth of food and medication is the kind of number that you shoot for. So when you're taking your kit with you, you want to have your medication, like your inhalers, your epinephrine, any kind of over-the-counter antihistamines that you normally take, any kind of prescription meds that you take on a daily basis. Those things need to come with you. In addition, you think if you live in a wildfire-prone area, you want to have an N ninety five mask or something similar to kind of wear on your your face and your mouth and your nose to kind of combat any of the particles and ash that's floating around in the air. But in this emergency kit, some of the things you may consider are flashlight, extra batteries medications, a multi-purpose tool, whether it's a pocket knife with other kind of devices and tools on it, any kind of personal hygiene items, copies of personal documents, like a physical copy of your driver's license, your social security card in a Ziploc bag. So that if for some reason the originals are lost or damaged, you have something that you can show the authorities if need be. But those are just a couple of examples of things that you want to make sure that you have with you in that kit.
0: Kristen, these are absolutely brilliant. I never thought about the copies of the social security card or my driver's license. That makes complete sense because I do know people whose homes burnt to the ground. And you're right. Burnt to the ground means there is nothing.
1: Exactly. And that's such a hard, it's such a stressful time that thinking in advance or preparing in advance and having this documentation with you is so important to help alleviate some of that stress. Because when you encounter a tornado and your home is destroyed because of a tornado, your home is destroyed because of wildfire or hurricane, You don't want to have to go and search the grounds for these items. And you may not even be allowed to because your house is deemed uninhabitable. So it's important to kind of have these things because FEMA may need them. Or if you're relocating temporarily, you'll need this documentation to help set up life somewhere else temporarily.
0: Excellent, excellent advice. So now that we have a basic game plan here, can we just dive Really deep now into actual packing regarding food and personal care items and the medical needs. What should we be packing?
1: Well, you definitely want to consider the needs of your family members and what supplies go in each kit. For us, we have different preparation kits. Each person in our home has a go bag, in that go bag contains food that should supply them for at least 24 to 48 hours. If you can do it for 72 hours or longer, that would be phenomenal. But we have packets of chicken because that is a safe food in our home and it's lightweight and we can stick it in a Ziploc bag. We have meat sticks that are safe. We've eaten them many times in our home. We've checked the ingredients. We've contacted manufacturers. So those are safe things. We have seed butters that are safe for us in uh, little packets. And we have those as well. In addition, we have dried fruit that we can dehydrate on our own, put it in a food saver container and stick it in there. Anything that you eat, cereal bars, granola, cookies, small treats for kids, put all of that in Ziploc bags so that it's easy to grab. If you need to grab it out of one bag and put it in another, you have it. Cash. You want to make sure that you have extra cash on hand. You don't want large bills. So if you have dollar bills, $5 bills, maybe $10 bills, but mostly stick to dollar bills and $5 bills to have extra cash on hand. You also want to talk about families, emergency and contact information. Nowadays, this is 2022 and we have everyone's telephone number in our cell phones. Do you have a physical copy? Do you, have you written down what your mother, your father, your children's telephone numbers are, having a copy of that in a document that you can just Take with you is helpful because a lot of times, if we want to connect with someone out of state, we have a a safe family member that all of us are supposed to contact out of state. And if we don't have that person's telephone number, it's hard to communicate with them that we're okay. So, if you have a friend or a family member out of state, make sure you have that telephone number and that your children have that as well. You want to make sure you have your medications for seven days, like we mentioned earlier, and also any kind of baby supplies diapers, formula, any kind of ointments, any contact lenses, any glasses, those things you use on a daily basis. And one way to kind of figure out what you need is to look at the American Red Cross emergency checklist or another would be to kind of go through every day and think, hmm, I use this toothpaste, I used toothbrushes, floss. What are some things that you use every day that you can add to the list? In addition to all of these things that really are going to help you, A, continue to be able to provide safe foods for yourself and medication, you want to consider some small things that are entertainment for the kids. If you have younger kids, they're not going to understand what's going on. You may have to talk to emergency personnel and you want something to be able to to entertain them. So any kind of entertainment for kids is helpful. And also two-way radios. We have two-way radios in our home that are very important in case the electricity is out, the power's out, we can still access emergency information through that radio. So these are just a couple of things. There are so many, so many different items that you can add to your list. And really detail it to your family's needs. So take this list that we're providing to you today and kind of start to add what is important to you all and kind of look online at the American Red Cross for some additional information.
0: I really like your suggestion of look at what you need throughout the day. You know, what type of things are you using? You know, my daughter has contacts. I have glasses, mm-hmm. you know, toothpaste, things like, like this. I think that's a really wonderful suggestion. And listeners, I'll make sure I have the link to the American Red Cross emergency checklist and any resources that Kristen mentions. I'll make sure that those are in the show notes for us.
1: Yeah, there are definitely a lot of things that we could list, just daily hygiene items and and daily foods. But for us, it's really important to maintain that when there's an emergency, FEMA will be there to kind of assist and help, but they will not have allergy-specific products or allergy-specific foods for our needs. So it's vital as a family with food allergies or asthma that you prepare in advance and have those things readily available for your family.
0: Absolutely. Now in my home, what we do is I have two shelves that I can clear with like a sweep of my arm into a bag. So I have one that's medically related. So it has all our epinephrine auto-injectors and inhalers and you know Tylenol and, and items like that. Then in the pantry, I have a shelf that has like our butters and canned foods and items like this. So based on your expertise, and especially that you've actually been evacuated several times, Do you actually think this is a good idea or should I really prepare that go bag and only grab these items and sweep them in at last minute or just have duplicates in that go bag ready?
1: I think the fact that you have an area in your home with these items already prepared is a great start. What I would suggest is taking those items that you have and putting it in a clear kind of tub or container that you can get from a big box container store so that you can immediately take the box and put it in your car. Because we know, especially with wildfire, you have seconds sometimes to evacuate and you don't want to take any time that you have to put everything in a particular box. So if you have the space and you have the extra tub to put things in. My suggestion would be to put everything in a bigger kind of storage box that you would use either for holiday decorations, but something that's clear and something that you can just take and put in the back of the car immediately with one fill suit. So if you're not able to do that, then my suggestion would be to take something like a duffel bag that you can shove everything in quickly and roll it to where you need to go. But I I really think it's vital to have these things prepared in advance instead of helping or taking them off the shelf and putting them in something, because those are seconds that are going to be important. We live near a hurricane zone. So we know in advance when a hurricane is coming. It's talked about for days and and weeks sometimes, but we have advance notice to get out. But something like a tornado, you may not have that advance notice. So and something like a wildfire, you may not have that advance notice or even a flood for that matter. The seconds that it would take you to pack your belongings in a storage box are seconds that you could be driving down the road to safety. So my suggestion is to kind of have it and then double check it every quarter, every three to six months to make sure that the food is not expired. And my my suggestion is to take the food out, consume it because these are foods that you typically eat anyway, and then replace it with newer things that you purchased in the grocery store so that you're not bringing foods that's expired.
0: Right. And it sounds like we could just rotate them through the pantry. Yeah. So I could just take the items that are coming close to expiration Put them on the shelf. Take the ones on the shelf that have the longer expiration date in the box.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what you can do. And that way you know that you have to save time by preparing it in advance. You have the food items you need, and you also know that they're being rotated accordingly.
0: Win-win all the way around. So now circling back to that go bag, you talked about the box, and I think that actually is very brilliant But what other items? You mentioned a duffel bag. Do you think garbage bags or an ice chest or a suitcase? If just if someone doesn't have access to one of those nice big boxes or they're just really limited on space, do you have any suggestions in that area?
1: Whatever you have works. If it's a box, you can put things in and carry it, that's fine. If you have an extra old backpack that the kids have used and it's kind of old and tattered, it's still a backpack and it works. Whatever you have is what you use to take things out in the emergency. My suggestion for the children though is to have backpacks because that's something that they can put on their back and they can kind of carry with them. It's one less thing you as a parent have to do It also provides you free hands to do anything else that you need to do. So my suggestions always use what you have. If you have the ability to go and purchase something from a big box store or have a cardboard box where you keep things in, that's fantastic. But if you don't have it and you don't have the means to get it, use whatever you have. Sage,
0: sage advice. Now, just stepping to the side just a little bit, let's talk about short term emergencies like a trip to the hospital, right? An accident happens or maybe even a reaction.
1: Do you keep a short term emergency bag? We do. I mentioned earlier that my kids have a go backpack that they bring with them. If for some reason we're at home and they have an anaphylactic reaction, we bring that backpack to the hospital with us and it has a pair of clothes. So if it's winter, we have long pants and a long sleeve shirt. It also has safe food for them to eat, similar to the safe food that's in the evacuation bag that we have. You know, the chicken, the meat sticks, the gluten-free crackers, the protein, the seed butters, all the things that we typically eat. But we have them because when you've had an anaphylactic reaction, you visit the emergency room, you could be there all day or longer. And typically there aren't healthy or safe foods for us in the hospital. So it's important to be able to bring something with us. In addition to that, we also have a fully charged battery for our cell phone. So while we're in the hospital, maybe there isn't an outlet we can use. I have a backup battery charger for that. But yes, we have something separate to take with us. And our children even have something scaled down, like a scaled down version that they bring with them to school as well.
0: I learned that the hard way myself. My son had a major asthma attack, ran to the ER. He was just a toddler at the time, spent I don't know, maybe 15, 16 hours in the ER. And the hospital was struggling with food allergies at that time. He's 23 now. He was two at the time. And they just said he can't eat anything from our kitchen. Oh, no. And the only thing I had in my car, true confession, was Pringles potato chips. Oh.
1: So he ate Pringles potato chips. I was dying. I'm like, oh, Mother of the Year award. But you have those Pringles. We, we've we had a similar situation. I think we, we had uh, popsicles. Popsicles were the only thing the hospital had that we could eat. So it, it's frustrating. And I always tell the kids as they're getting older, make sure you have something, something to eat or snack on because you never know what happens. Emergencies happen all the time, but you want to be prepared. And it doesn't mean you're carrying around a bulk load of food, but just something to hold you or chide you until you're able to have something and eat it safely.
0: Exactly. Just to tie you over. Now, Turning back to the natural disaster, so each natural disaster emergency has its own set of needs. So can you review with us the differences in that emergency preparedness? So, you know, preparing for flooding, storms, or wildfires where you're fleeing versus something like earthquakes or hurricanes, like you mentioned, what are the differences here that you could highlight to us?
1: Well, when you're thinking of wildfire, you're thinking of a time where you really need to pick up and kind of evacuate. And I mentioned earlier, you have your face mask to help with the air and the dust and particles in the air. But during a hurricane, if for some reason you're still staying put or you haven't, maybe you didn't evacuate because initially it looks like things were going to be safe, you want to make sure you have batteries and you have flashlights. And any kind of equipment to help you in the event that the electricity is off. I recently was at home and our electricity went off because of a really bad storm. And by bad, it was very windy very heavy rain and our electricity cut off. And immediately I'm in let's prepare, let's mom mode. I said, okay, kids, we're going to get the flashlights. We have our emergency bags in case we need to go. We were ready. I contacted the electrical company and let them know that our power was out and tried to get an ETM when it would turn back on. But we've prepared for this in advance, the kids know exactly what to do. And we kind of went through our preparation. But you want to make sure that you have these things ahead of time. And finally, I would say, make sure you have a first aid kit. You never know what kind of accident or aid may be needed. And having a basic first aid kit with gauze and And Band-Aids and all kinds of other things would be helpful as well.
0: Again, very, very powerful information and tips. And this has gone by so fast. We're actually coming to the end of our time together. So before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like listeners to hear from
1: you? We mentioned a lot of different things that you can add to your Evacuation or emergency kit. Just know that you can start small. You can start right now by canvassing your home for anything that you would need. Start by making a list. Once you have your list, get the supplies and then have a conversation with everyone in your home little kids, older kids, spouses, partners, roommates. Have a conversation about what your plan will be if there is an emergency. And then from there, have your plan spelled out so everyone knows what to do. So if the time comes, you're ready, you're prepared, and you have exactly what you need.
0: Wonderful. Again, another powerful podcast. I appreciate your time. This has been absolutely wonderful, and I look forward to having you back on the show again. Thank you, Caroline. You're welcome. Again, we want to thank the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for sponsoring this week's FACTS Roundtable podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.